This is The Connection, a Dirty Free Hub podcast connecting gravel cyclists to where they ride through short stories about culture, history, people, places, and lands. This podcast is supported in part by a grant from the Bend Cultural Tourism Fund. This is Chris Kutosh, and on today's show, we're joined by our special guest, Roy Isbell, with the Central Oregon Land Watch, and he's going to talk about the Black Mountain Conservation Project near Big Summit Prairie. Here's our conversation. Roy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Happy to be here. Thanks. Why don't we start off by telling the listeners about the Central Oregon Land Watch and just a little bit about it? Sure. Yeah. So Central Oregon Land Watch is a nonprofit environmental and land use advocacy organization. We've been around here in Central Oregon for over 35 years now. Our work is is place-based. So uh, we we focus on, on issues, environmental issues in the three Central Oregon counties, uh, Crook, Jefferson, and, and Deschutes counties. So I, I said we're an environmental and land use organization. So what that kind of means is, is we uh, look at environmental issues both on federal public lands, but also on our, our private lands using Oregon's land use system. Oregon's kind of unique in this country for having a land use system that allows for a lot of public participation and sort of guides how our cities and counties uh, grow. So we've been doing that work for, like I said, about 35 years. A portion of our work, which we're going to talk about more today, is uh, to protect wildlands in our region. And that's really where our, our federal public lands advocacy work is, is focused, to protect habitat and um, ecological integ- integrity of our public lands in the region. Yeah, that's really great. And we appreciate all the work that you uh, are doing there. And so let's talk about a specific project. It's near Big Summit Prairie, but it's the Black Mountain Project. So why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about that? Um, maybe first where the area is, how large is it? And then just tell us about that specific project, if you don't mind. Sure, sure. So yeah, this Black Mountain Project is on the Ochico National Forest. It's on the Paulina Ranger District, which is the easternmost portion of of the Ochico. And it's located just to the east side of Big Summit Prairie. Big Summit Prairie is private land. You can kind of imagine this section of the Ochico National Forest as a donut. And right in the middle is this vast plot of private land that's Big Summit Prairie. If you've been up to the Ochicos or, I guess, ridden one of the Dirty Free Hub routes, you've probably noticed the Big Summit Prairie, the big open area up top. It's just just east of Lookout Mountain. So this Black Mountain project is then just east of that, kind of once you hit the forest again on the east side of Big Summit Prairie. It's about 33,000 acres in size. Just for comparison, I I looked this up. The city of Bend's footprint is 21,000 acres. So this project area, this Forest Service project, is about one and a half times um, the size of Bend, to to put it in perspective. Wow. So quite large. And what's the project that you've been working on or were working on that was done to protect the area? This Black Mountain project area, um, let let me describe it a little bit first, and then I'll kind of get into what um, the the Forest Service proposed in this area. So like I said, it's about 33,000 acres. It's a really diverse um, area. Uh, It's a mix of of mountain streams with a lot of lush vegetation alongside, but then also uh, drier ponderosa pine and and some of those more moist mixed conifer forests higher up that have a lot of different fir tree species and, and also some hardwood species, alder, aspen, cottonwood. 
there's also these meadow habitats. So a lot of folks know Big Summit Prairie. There's kind of smaller versions of that on the, the ridge tops in the area. And with this diverse environment, it makes this, this whole area really uh, important for several species of fish and wildlife. So I mentioned that there's uh, several mountain streams in the area. There's the North Fork of the Crooked River, some of its tributaries um, like Deep Creek, Porter Creek, Peterson Creek. And those streams um, historically were really important spawning grounds for steelhead salmon. Unfortunately, we've sort of blocked passage of, of steelhead up there, primarily with uh, Bowman Dam uh, and Prineville Reservoir further, further downstream on the Crooked. So even though steelhead aren't up there anymore, these streams are still really important habitat for some of our native trout species, primarily red band trout. Habitat for red band trout has degraded and shrunk really dramatically over the last few decades, um, and so much so that the Forest Service has classified that fish species as sensitive, which is kind of, you can think of it as a precursor to being listed under the Endangered Species Act. So right now is a really uh, critical time for red band trout. Uh, we have to work hard to protect the, its existing habitat that's left so it doesn't end up um, endangered. So I'm kind of describing some of the diverse environments of this project area to give you a sense of, of why why um, Landwatch, our organization, um, feels it's so important. So sure. there's, there's the fish habitat. It's also a uh, really important habitat for big game species, uh, Rocky Mountain elk and mule deer. Um, this is a really remote area. So it's, it's, it's a remote part of the forest and far away from any development which makes it a stronghold for these big game species. That riparian habitat along rivers, streams, and wetlands are important for big game. Uh, they, they have more vegetation, so they provide both food for big game to eat and also hiding cover where these uh, species can uh, hide from their predators. Um, and that's really important for um, breeding and raising their young, right? They have to have safe places to hide. So both of these game species, deer and elk, um, their populations have been declining and are currently below um, what uh, our, our state um, Fish and Wildlife Agency would like to see those populations at. There's um, especially mule deer. There's about 4,000 individuals. Well, I guess the current population is, excuse me, 14,000 individuals below where ODFW would like to see it. And same with elk, uh, a little less drastic, but still about 500 individuals below um, what ODFW says is, is a healthy population. Similarly, uh, I guess for protecting that red band trout habitat, we also feel it's important to protect this area for those game species. It's one of their last strongholds of, of wild um, land uh, habitat for them in our region. And then thinking about the Ochicos on a more macro level, a 30,000 foot view maybe, this region serves a really key role in landscape scale habitat. The Ochicos are kind of right in the middle of the Cascades to the west and then the Blue Mountains further to the east. As, a, as its own, the Blue Mountains themselves as, as this large geo province are the primary link between the Cascades and the Rocky Mountains. So we're talking about a key corridor between like these huge mountainous regions on, on the continent. Um, so as we grapple with climate change, um, fish, wildlife, and plant species of all kinds need to adapt to this new climate and the changes it's bringing to the landscape, which often requires shifting their habitat range. Uh, so to adapt to a changing climate, wildlife needs to be able to move around. That's why we feel it's so important that the Ochocos in particular be protected. They're really a primary link 
and a primary migration corridor between the Cascades and all the habitat further to the east um, in, in the Rocky Mountains. Several reasons for it to be a very important place to protect with right. uh, a lot of things going on. Was there something that then threatened that for you to get involved? Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I'll shift now a little bit to to why this this project or what was proposed and, and uh, what how, how we got involved. So the Forest Service in this Black Mountain project area, about 33,000 acres, they proposed uh, just about 16,000 acres of logging. Um, some of that commercial logging, uh, you know, selling trees for lumber, and some of it non-commercial logging just to thin out the forest. The benefits of logging in such a remote area like this, I think, are pretty debatable. The Forest Service will argue that logging is needed to mitigate wildfire risks. And uh, sometimes that that could be true. You know, uh, some fires in normal weather when it's maybe not a drought year and we don't have strong winds, which are the conditions we saw a lot this year, thinning out the forest can be beneficial. On the other hand, uh, I, I think there's mounting evidence that um, logging projects in the backcountry like this often don't reduce fire risk when a lot of our big fires are these wind-driven and climate-driven events. Um, and it's those fires that are overwhelmingly burning huge areas. Somewhere around 90% of the acres burned in the West every year are attributable to only 1% of the total number of fires. And that's because there are these big wind-driven, climate-driven fires where the density of fuels on the ground, the, the density of trees, they really don't matter when it's that dry and the wind's blowing that strong. So it's it's debatable uh, whether a big uh, backcountry logging project like this helps helps mitigate fire risk. But I think what we do know for sure is that logging trees hurts wildlife. Landwatch, we think we have to be really calculated when we um, consider logging in an area like this as an option. We know that all the roads that have to be built and used and heavy machinery used for logging um, displaces wildlife. It reduces sediment into streams that uh, degrades water quality, which hurts fish. And logging all these trees also releases more carbon into the atmosphere. Forests are, are really our best method of storing carbon. So logging projects like this, um, when you add them all up, it makes our uh, climate change problem worse. So in some respects, thinning projects, logging projects like this, I think do more harm than people realize. Bringing it back to wildfire, there's there's really such a small chance um, spatially and temporally across space and time that a wildfire will burn through a logging project like this. Um, there's there's scientists have done studies showing there's like a one percent chance that a wildfire will overlap with a backcountry logging project like this. And you know even if we do some of that thinning and it does overlap with a wildfire that starts in the area. The Forest Service will have to keep coming back, say, every decade to rethin out that area in order to reduce the fuels to the type of level that, that they're attempting to. So knowing all that, it's really a shot in the dark as to whether a big backcountry logging project like this has a positive impact. Um, but it's we know that it's it's would damage wildlife habitat. Just to get an idea of the scale. This is 33,000 acres. You said 16,000 acres of logging. So that's like, that would be about half of that. Yeah, that's about half correct. Of it. That would just be logged. Yeah, that's right. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, you know, I, I started off kind of describing this key wildlife habitat in this area. When mm -hmm. we looked at this project, 
the most harmful impacts from all that logging that we saw would be along these riparian areas, along rivers, streams, wetlands, or in some cases, the Forest Service planned to log right up to the stream bank. Going back to Central Oregon Land Watch, what we do, what our mission is, we are in many ways a, a legal advocacy organization. So we're familiar with a lot of the environmental laws that govern a project like this. And we knew that there were laws in place to protect these sensitive riparian habitats from logging. So when the Forest Service was planning this project, we commented to them several times that uh, we it would likely be illegal for them to log in these riparian areas. Um, but the Forest Service ended up finalizing their project to do that anyways. Uh, basically, we ended up in federal court. Um, Central Oregon Land Watch filed a lawsuit in federal court with the help of of uh, Craig Law Center, which is a public interest law firm based out of Portland that helps us out once we get into court on on cases like this. And we, uh, you know, exchanged our legal arguments with with the Forest Service. Um, in this case, right before it was scheduled for oral argument, where we would go um, present our arguments uh, before a judge, the Forest Service reached out to try to settle the case. We, we entertained those talks and we um, offered to drop our lawsuit if the Forest Service agreed to not do any logging, um, none of this road work with heavy machinery in these sensitive riparian areas along rivers, streams, and wetlands. That only amounts to about a thousand acres of the logging that was proposed. You recall I, I said it was 16,000 acres of logging was proposed. We honed in on these these riparian areas and just asked the Forest Service to stay out of there because we know that's the most important habitat. The Forest Service agreed, so we were able to kind of drop our lawsuit, stay out of court on this one. But we see it as a big win because, you know, while the Forest Service can still do a lot of this backcountry logging away from uh, rivers and streams, they stay away from really the most crucial habitat here. Oh, that's fantastic. So they are and will probably do logging in the area, but just avoid, like you said, some of the most important areas that you feel would be impacted. Yep. Yep. That's right. Well, that's, uh, you know, really great to hear. And your relationship with the Forest Service, either before or after this, how how could you characterize that? Well, you know, I, I, I think I hinted at this. We are a, a watchdog advocacy organization. So it's a big part of our mission to ensure that uh, the Forest Service is one of our federal land management agencies, complies with the law and uh, protects our wild places in our central Oregon region. Um, you know, we always submit comments on projects that we feel might be concerning and, and ask the Forest Service to change their plans and do the right thing to protect these sensitive habitat areas. But when they don't, we end up in adversarial situations, which is what happened here with this Black Mountain project. Um, and, and that's that's part of our role. You know, we're we're not afraid to sometimes do what we did here and, and take this adversarial position and challenge what the Forest Service says is is best uh, for our, our public lands. So, you know, looking past this Black Mountain project, we're hopeful that the Forest Service will have learned from this experience. And, you know, next time around when they're planning their next big logging project, we hope they do a better job to protect these really important habitat areas. We appreciate the work that you've done there for sure um, to, you know, keep things um, in check a little bit. So thank you for, for doing that. And if people wanted to find out more about the Central Oregon Land Watch and some of the work that you do, 
how would they uh, find that? And are there some ways that they could become involved? Thanks. Thanks for asking about that, Chris. Uh, I'd say the best way is to visit our website, which is colw.org. There you can sign up for our email list. We often call on our members in the public uh, through action alerts when uh, we want people to weigh in. So if there's another logging project that we're concerned about, we'll send out a message to our, our email list to alert folks and give them a chance to get involved. Public lands management and then even how we protect habitat on private lands can be really complicated. So uh, Landwatch tries to simplify that process and, and let people have a say in decisions that affect our region's future. So I, I think through our, our email list is the best way to learn how to get involved. And you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just, of course, search Central Oregon Landwatch. We're always looking to gain new followers, new supporters, and we're always happy to hear folks' thoughts or concerns on how to best plan and defend for our livable future here in Central Oregon. Well, Rory, thanks again for your time, for sharing your story and all the work that you are doing there, you and your colleagues. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me today. Dirty Free Hub is a nonprofit organization fueled by your generous contributions. Find us at dirtyfreehub.org.